Hi, I'm Kim Rickards, professional superglue and co-creator of Manifest. Manifest is a global platform with the vision to empower professionals of color to make connections and build intentional community to manifest careers, dreams, and goals. In this podcast, we will nurture, inspire, connect, and elevate our listeners through relevant stories and conversations. Now, let's Manifest. Today on our show, we're going to talk to a good friend of mine, Sean Morgan. I actually met Sean quite some time ago. I don't even know. Sean, how long has it been? We've known each other for a while now, I would say. It's, I can't it's been a couple of years. It's been a couple of years. I'm like, yeah. I know it was around Carnival, but I don't remember exactly how. Um, it was something Carnival related, but that just goes to show how life changes and then you just become legit friends, right? Because right. like it was business related and then it became friendship, which is awesome. Um, <laughs> but today we're going to be talking about family business and how you got into it and what you like about it and all the cool things that our listeners can glean from your experience. Um, There may Mm -hmm. be some people listening that are being asked to join a family business. They may be hesitant. Some people may be trying to take over a family business. So I think that the climate we're in right now, this will be a good conversation for people that are on either side of the fence. But before we get into the conversation, I didn't do a great job introducing you, so I'm going to let you do it yourself, Sean Morgan. <laughs> so, I mean, you know me as Sean, the, I guess, a regular person. But Sean, in the professional sense, um, I run a family business. The name of it is Dental and Medical Supplies Limited. We are a medical and dental distributor. Distrib- hmm, what would you say? We distribute dental and medical supplies, uh, equipment, um, instruments, you know, disposables. So just think of walking into a dental office, for example, the chair that you sit in, the x-ray machine that they use, the instruments that they use, items like those are what we supply. The essentials. Well, <laughs> everything. Right. <laughs> right. Okay. Well then we're going to, we're going to talk more about, you know, more of that business side, but we want to show listeners the fun side of Sean. So right now we're going to do something different. We're going to play a game mm-hmm. and the game is this or that. It's pretty mm-hmm. fast. So you, you don't have to think too much about it. This is supposed to be whatever comes to mind first. Those are the okay. rules. Whatever comes to mind first, you will say it. And this is a safe space. So <laughs> you can be as transparent as possible. So we're going to start with cookies or cake. Cookies. Cat or dog? Dog. <laughs> TV shows or movies? Mm, that is tough. I will say TV shows. Okay. Text message or call? So, uh, <laughs> I, yeah, that's another tough one for me, too, because, you know, I'm kind of old school where I really like connecting with somebody by talking to them. So I will say phone call. Okay, cool. What about Google or Bing? Mm, Google. Hands down, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> no offense to Microsoft, but it is what it is. What about circles or squares? Mm-hmm. Circles? Circles. Because you're a person that likes to connect things, right? So there you go. Circle, kind of, sort of. Um, Instagram or Twitter? Twitter. Okay. Zoom party or house party? Oh, ooh. Wait, you mean like pre-quarantine, post-quarantine, in-quarantine? Like, what are we talking about? 
kind of in quarantine. I don't know if you've downloaded the House Party app, but which oh, is- House Party as in the app. Oh, mm-hmm. um, so I haven't done the House Party app, no, but I would say Zoom parties. Okay, freedom or hope? Freedom. And the last one, family or friends? Wow, that is tough. Um, that, <laughs> <laughs> that is tough. But I'm gonna say I'm gonna say friends. Um, I don't mean I can't qualify, but I'm gonna say friends. Okay, well, you went with friends, and one of the things that I think our our little game has shown is that it's never fully as easy as it seems, right? right. So. A few of the questions are kind of like straightforward. Some of them are like, you have to think about it. And I would say that this also kind of goes back to even our experiences as children, forming our thoughts, feelings, behaviors as an adult, right? So no one may think totally about their 10-year-old self, but sometimes our 10-year-old selves kind of push us toward where we're going to go in the future. So would you agree with that one that sometimes what you were taught or what you learned as a 10-year-old kind of guided you to where you are right now, if you even remember? Or were some of the things that when you were 10 kind of created these blocks? So you were like, I'm never going to do that when I'm 20. And you kind of held true to it. Um, I, I, I would have to say for me, it's been a little of both um, because you know, my my father has worked in corporate and then he, he transitioned into working for himself, you know, kind of when I was growing up as well. Uh, I am the last of three kids. My brother is 10 years my senior. So for most of my life that I was around, I didn't actually experience him working in corporate, but my mother worked in corporate all her life. So I kind of had me growing up, you know, coming back up as that last kid, I had that balance of getting both sides of the fence you get mm-hmm. me the mm-hmm. super stressed out um from you know with, with different reasons to be stressed out you know right. can you what's happening at work you know your co-workers versus how am i going to make this these payments you know are, is my team okay two totally different sides of the coin and so i i was kind of exposed to both from very early growing up uh and i guess you would say that that definitely did leave an impression in me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then in terms of your parents, you know, you talked about one having that corporate experience and then the other had the corporate, but then decided to take the entrepreneurial route. So would mm-hmm. you say that from an early age, you were encouraged to take over or work for the family business or was it more so you were allowed to kind of make up your mind? Yeah, I was definitely allowed to make up my mind. Uh, I got, I was given a lot of latitude. You know, I, I always tell, I always make the joke that being the last of of three, you know, your parents are just like, well, we made it with two. You know, like we can't go so wrong with this one. Uh, but the the reality is that I was allowed to explore. I was allowed to make my own decisions. I was allowed to try new things. Nothing was ever forced upon me. So, and neither of us, really, to be honest, um, neither my brother nor my sister really had that kind of pressure. It was like, okay, what do you want to do? What do you feel comfortable doing? Of course, there were recommendations that, well, you know, this uh, this could work. This this could work. Why don't you try that? You get me? But right. it was never. This is what you must do. 
Right, right. And I'd have to agree with that. So like you, I am the baby of the family. And Mm -hmm. there's three of us on my mom's side. And my mom was a social worker. And one of the things that she never fully encouraged us to do was pursue social work. Mm. (laughs) She always said that it was a lot of work, but she's a very passionate person when it comes to, you know, helping people and truly impacting change in their lives. And I feel like indirectly that has encouraged and led me to be the woman that I am. And then has also led me to the career path that, you know, that I chose because I had seen her living, not just being a social worker where she just went to work and she left it at work, but she Mm -hmm. would come home and share stories with us. You know, when we saw some people that were her clients on the street, we were always encouraged to, you know, be kind and compassionate. Right. But I feel like those were things that just who it just it was just who she is. Right. Um, And then on the flip side, like my dad was more of a hustler. (laughs) So he was just kind of like grinding, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like doing what he needed to do to make ends meet. And I don't think that that was ever something that he wanted for any of his children. It wasn't that he wanted anyone to struggle. And I think that because he didn't want anyone to struggle, that was the, that was kind of his hustle mentality. Like, I don't want to okay. ever have to struggle. You know what I'm right. saying? So, yeah. again, it kind of encouraged <laughs> how I pursue things as well, because I was like, well, I, you know, that won't be me. That struggle mentality will not be me. Even to this day, there's certain words that I just don't use because I'm like, I'm not about to declare that over myself. You know, mm-hmm. um, I won't ever be like I'm broke because I'm not broke. I mean, I have. I may not have as much as I had at one point, but I will never be broke because I won't want that kind of confession, you know, over over who I am, especially knowing the parenting that I'm coming from. So, yeah, I think like having <laughs> having the experience as like the baby of the family may be a little different from the middle child and, and the eldest. Right. Because I do think with my sister, she always said she felt there was more responsibility put on her to make a choice like sooner. Mm, it was okay. always that, that question of like, so what do you want to do? Um, whereas like my brother, it may, I don't know if, if I would say they were trying things out with him, I won't go as far as to say that, <laughs> but I think like with the first child, it's kind of like, you just want to see what happens. And by the time you see what happens with them, it's kind of like, okay, you start to probably ask a bit more questions toward the second child. And by the third child, you're like, all right, look, we tried in, and hey, it is what it is at this point. That's how right, I always exactly. felt. <laughs> always exactly. felt like, you know exactly. what? Be free, be you, do what you have to do. <laughs> yeah, no, they've always been, uh, and I think it makes a big difference. And I hope, you know, persons who may not have had that experience or are about to be parents or are currently parents can take this advice, you know, just like on into, into context and uh, encourage more than force. Because I will say that, you know, some of my family, like I have an uncle and he's a surgeon and he will tell you that, you know, okay, he can, he can, or he was a surgeon, he's retired now, but he was very good at what he did, but he didn't love it. What Mm -hmm. he really loved was music. So what he did is, you know, he himself and another friend, they started a band and you get me, that was his outlet. But again, it was kind of what you were told growing up, totally different generation um, become a doctor, become a this, become a that. And so I, I definitely didn't have any of that, you know, foisted upon me uh, to 
to my benefit, as I say, you know, like it's it's always been okay. Well, are you sure that's what you want to do? So it wasn't just a kind of like free run. It was kind of yeah. like okay, well, tell me why you think, or you know, okay, what what are the options? So let me see how invested you really are in this. Uh, are you checking it out? What are the resources accessible to you? So, for example, you asked like what I wanted to do when I was ten. I would have told you I wanted to be a pilot. Um, mm. No, I don't know where that came from. There's nobody in my family that's a pilot. I definitely never leaned towards the sciences, um, much to the, the dismay of my uncle, who's a dentist, who is ironically how I got into this whole business in the first place. Wait, so, really? Yeah. So he, because um, he didn't have anyone, neither of his kids would have been able to really take on the, his dental practice. And so, you know, he was looking to more his nieces and nephews now to say, hey, what are you doing? So if right. anything, the, the pressure was more coming from outside to be like, hey, why don't you do this? And my parents were just like, well, he doesn't like it. <laughs> you know what I mean? They're right. like, no, that's, if he wants to, he'll do it. If not, but he would always see me and, you know, make little jobs. He'd be like, oh, so you know, are you going to come and do this? But it never worked out that way. Um, I will say, though, in in so let me see so pilot for sure and then at one point i thought i wanted to be an engineer no this kind of went very much against me you know saying i wasn't really into the sciences but it showed up in my grades because i wasn't into uh -huh. it you know i wasn't committed at all but right. the way i saw it is my father by training is a chemical engineer and my brother is an electronic engineer so I was just like, well, I guess <laughs> you right. if you if you have to make a choice when you're you're doing something, and I think that you know for persons who have the option, gap gap years are are great. I didn't know about it really until after it wasn't really presented to me as an option. It was always a kind of like straight transition. You go to secondary school, and now you must go to tertiary, university, college, but there's no break. You get right. like you just Same. keep on going. Right. And uh, I think that that period of exploration, uh, it sounds very, you know, airy fairy, but it's, it's a reality because mm -hmm. it's very hard to know what you will want to do for the rest of your life or could want to do for the rest of your life at 18 years old. Right. But well, you know, even at 25, I mean, let's be real. There are some people that have gone into those what were considered to be like the more prestigious careers. And right. look at where we are right now. Like this morning, I actually said to my niece, I said, I wonder how dentists are making out right now. You know, like with the current climate that we're in, no one's going in to get an oral exam. So yeah, no. are dentists actually leveraging, you know, um, like Zoom or a different, I don't even know, Google Hangouts or something to that effect to really perform oral exams like I, I'm so confused as to what they may or may not be doing and like all that all those years of training and all these things like I'm curious to know how they are looking at the future of their career um, and you're right some people like myself when I was 18 I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do I thought and this is so funny because I thought I was going to go into broadcasting. I thought that mm -hmm. I would have done like journalism in the terms of probably radio and or TV. 
Gotcha. And then when I was taking one of my one of my film classes, which was needed for the course or right. the, the full fulfillment of graduation, one of the things I realized is like I don't like this. And then I said, <laughs> well, you know, let me shift to PR, and I shifted okay. to PR in my junior year. And shifting was like, okay, I kind of sort of like this. But then when I graduated, I was like, I do not like PR. I didn't like the way that the internships were going. Um, Mm. I just didn't like the environment. I knew that that wasn't for me. So I knew that I wanted to do something that was going to have me interact with people. But I did not want to be the person that had to kind of like cover up um, and of course, there's various aspects of PR. So this is not the right. one crisis management, but like, I didn't want to be the person that had to cover up something. I wanted to to do something a little bit more hands-on where, you know, I felt like I was going to be able to be myself. And that changed again, you know, because <laughs> after spending years as an executive assistant, I spent 10 years being an executive assistant to some pretty mm-hmm. cool people at pretty cool companies. The shift came in in myself when I was like, you know what, it's time for me to explore entrepreneurship. And I hadn't thought of that when I was 18. I didn't think of it when I was 25. I didn't even think of it when I turned 30. So again, I think like everything, if, if we are, you know, if we are people that are honest with ourselves, we are constantly evolving. And a lot of times what we thought we were going to be like cemented in by a certain time, that may change. How we feel about it may change. You know, the way we listen to the advice of our elders changes as well. (laughs) Because sometimes, yeah, sometimes we're like, I ain't got time for that. And then all of a sudden one day you're like, you know what? that actually makes sense. Let me listen to that. Let let me take that advice. So it seems like your uncle was looking for you. He kind of was dropping those seeds in you. Like, let me just plant a little seed here and there. And then the seed has now fully flourished and you are doing what you're doing. Or I would say it's flourished, but you're doing it in a different capacity. Am I right or wrong? Right. Right. Yeah. I definitely am doing it from a more support side. And I think from a a very long time ago, because even when I was in high school, it's always been about, you know, helping, helping persons. How can I improve a situation? And there are a number of ways that you can do that. So I I joined a couple of service clubs, uh, you know, like charity organizations. But in school, and I didn't really know it was illegal at the time, but I used to rent pens to to people. So, you know, people are always forgetting their pens at school. And I used to be like, well, yeah, you know, give me $20 or whatever. This is, let's say it's 20 Jamaica. Um, But I can loan you this pen for this class. You get what I'm saying? No, remember, this would have been 100% profit because my parents were the ones that were buying me the pen. So they were fronting me all of my, my capital, as it were. And here I am making hand over fist, you know, renting pens, selling stationery. And my mother is like, why are you going through stationery so quickly? Because <laughs> he's hustling, mom. <laughs> right, right. But, you know, at the time, I thought I was just making a difference. So it wasn't that I looked at this as a business. How can I get into it as a business? It was like, well, here's an opportunity. You get me? I, I, I understood some basics at that point in time that there, for me to give up something that I have, there has to be some reward. 
And I think that er, very early out, even without me knowing that I would have ended up where I am now, it was, I, I guess, what, fate, somewhat, some would say. In university, so after high school, as I said, like, didn't get through engineering, applied to a few colleges. Uh, but, you know, as I said, the grades just really weren't there. And, you know, it's fine. But I still convinced myself that, well, I guess I have to do it, you know. It's one of those things that I have to do. And even without any external pressure, you get me, that was more internal being like, well, these are the figures that are here. I don't really want to do dentistry. Um, I didn't want to do medicine because I hadn't done biology, which you would have needed for either up to that point anyways. So I wasn't about to like backtrack how far, uh, but I had other subjects. I said, okay, well, let me try with engineering again. And my aunt was like, she worked at the university here in Kingston. And she was like, uh, why are you going to waste your time under that? Like, clearly you're not into it. So I was like, mm-hmm. okay, what other options do I have right now? And she said, uh, let me let me, let me me see what spaces are available in programs up on campus. And the program that I got into was like a relatively new program. The name of it was Banking and Finance. Because a couple of years ago, um, when I say a couple, I mean like over 20 at this point in time, but there was a financial crisis, like a financial sector meltdown here in Jamaica. And so a lot of things had changed, you know, a lot more regulations had come in. And but what they realized is that there was no specific course that was designed around that. So this course was meant to address and and really draw in, you know, as, as many things from the banking and the financial sector as there were insurance and pensions and whatever, and put them into one course so that when somebody graduates with this, they could move into a field much more easily and they'd be less onboarding for customers. And uh, when I was in, when I was about to graduate, my uncle at that point now says to my father, okay, so you're not doing dentistry. So, (laughs) right, because, you know, this is him, you know, he, at this point, he had been practicing for like 40 years. So this is literally his life. And I understand that you wouldn't just want to let that, you know, ideally, if you can't go to your kids, you'd want it to go to a family member so that you try and preserve some type of legacy that you built up for over four decades. Right. So he said, well, you know, what about dental supplies? And I said, well, okay, what about dental supplies? Again, not being in the field, it's not, it, it's not anything that you think about. And he right. said, well, you know, you could consider that because I think there is a marketplace here. And my father said, all right, well, let's check it out. We started looking around, making some connections. And then here I am, 13 years later. Still doing Wow. You see? Yeah. So a, a few things I'm I'm hearing is that one, listeners, it pays to talk to your family, <laughs> even those mm-hmm. Toronto's friends. It pays to talk to your family, well. um, just just to be in tune <laughs> because you know you never know there are some and, and I'm sure some people that are listening can agree to this because there are some people in our family that have or our families that have really worked truly truly hard and they have been it's truly hard no they've worked really hard how about that and and they have created these businesses kind of blood sweat and tears almost if you will in some cases and they don't want it to just die after they're no longer here they do want people that are able and ready and willing 
to, you know, take it by the reins and just run with it. Sometimes I think even some family members may kind of be like your uncle and be like, you know what, look at it from this way, you know, find an even more applicable, I would say, uh, way of doing business. So even though it may not be the way that they did it, they say, you know, about trying it this way because they still want to have their legacy be a part of, you know, um, generations going forward. They don't want it to just die essentially. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Mm -hmm. But I mean, so let me, let me qualify what I said earlier, because, you know, I think that family is what you're born into. You can't really choose, but then friends are, you know, as I said, a family you choose. So that's why I said it was a really tough one because at the end of the day, some some persons that are older can't necessarily appreciate how dynamic the, the time is now. And so your friends who are a little more attuned or at least if, you know, you have good friends, I guess, like I or we do, you right. know, who are kind of like on the ground and aware of everything that's happening, you're able to bounce things off them a little better and they get the dynamic because they're living it. They're right. not living in a time that's 20 years before when, you know, as much as we try, and I'm sure maybe we reach there at some point, but things aren't always that way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you get me? Like, yeah. it, it, it just is what it is. So it's not that I'm disowning family or you know, anything like that, because everybody Never. who knows me knows how much of a family man I am. Right, but, right. Never but, disown yeah. them. You know, the thing that's truly important, I think, especially during this time, is being fluid. Um, because business is changing the way that our parents were were raised and, and the businesses that they went into. Mm-hmm. That's changing as well. Like I said, my mom was a social worker. My dad was a hustler. Even hustling is changing. There's a whole new hustle going around right now. And with mm-hmm. my mom as a social worker, there's a lot more um, virtual visits that are happening, but social workers are faced with some challenges and how mm. they really, you know, show up for their clients. And I think mm. that this is something that is truly important as we think of, and as people listening, think of, you know, where they are in their profession, whether it's remaining in the, in the profession that they're in, whether it's pivoting to a new one, um, you know, you have to be fluid. You have to know that just in case another pandemic happens, what am I right. going to do next? So always be right. like forward thinking, have a growth mindset. I think those are some of the things that I would hope listeners are going to take away from our conversation. But touching back on challenges a bit. So what are some of the challenges you face working for the family business? Like, are there things that you find you necessarily can't bring to the table because you're like, damn, this is still my family. So I don't know if they're going to fully support it. Or is it the flip side where your family is just like, do what you do. We support you fully. So you're not necessarily running into that challenge, but you may have another one in terms of um, if you decided or if you felt like there was a need to expand the business forward and it's kind of being met with some hesitancy. Some resistance. Yeah, no, that it both definitely happened. So originally, you know, I mentioned that it was my father and I that started. Really, my father started it and then kind of pulled me in because literally the summer that I was graduating uh, or between finishing and you know going to some final summer classes, is when the business was actually registered and we were, you know, finding office space and starting 
And I think one of the big challenges for persons who are considering working with family is finding that rhythm. So mm. before, having having no real experience, with any work experience really, you know, outside of like a summer job, I was kind of taking his, his or really, yeah, being guided by him as, re, as it related to certain things. But again, remember, he is somebody that's much older and again, grew up in a different time. So our, even our way of doing things where I would be like, okay, how about we use this software to track our sales? And he'd be like, eh, you know, I mean, I guess. So he was more resistant to some of the things because he wasn't as ready to embrace technology. Now, clearly, my situation is going to be different from somebody else's own. Like they have, you may have somebody that may embrace technology, but you, they're limited in aspects of the technology that they can embrace. And right. so, just our how we how we thought to connect with people, how we thought to market with them, how we thought about business was were two. They were they were different, really, you know, and. Uh, Initially, when I said he already had a business run before, so mm-hmm. it was he was doing that as well as doing this. But the intention was that I he would get me to a point where I could kind of go off on my own. So it was a couple years after that. Um, yeah, maybe about five years after, you know, us kind of being together and what I call it, maybe like an incubator. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, we had to move anyways because the building that we were in, it was being sold. And I was, I said to him, you know, he his business doesn't require a relatively high visibility because he doesn't have a lot of foot traffic. But for for the dental supply business, because we also interact with students, we need to be somewhere that's accessible to them either by car or public transport. And so our our need for spaces, we decided that we would split. And so it kind of fell into my lap or hands, whatever you want to say. Um, that that year was like one October. And so we've been separate since, but, you know, he checks in. He's still a member of the company. He checks in every now and then. But that was definitely one of the, the bigger challenges, just like how exactly can I execute something that I know is relevant in our current time and space, but needing your sign off on it or your approval, even if it was just a financial approval, you get me? Because if you can't buy into the vision, you're not going to put any money behind it. Right. So things like that definitely, definitely impacted. After I moved out though, uh, everybody has been, you know, really supportive either, uh, financially or just mentally, just being there, just being somebody to vent with. Mm-hmm. Because one of the things that you find in a family business is that, one, who are you going to vent to? You, your coworker is also your family member. Right. So, <laughs> right. right. so you know, um, we are, we've transitioned to the point now where, you know, we're taking on team members that are our outside persons, which I think is important. The what the the main difference i think when they say family business and family business has two different meanings or can have two different meanings for me because it can be that family members actively own and operate or they are present in day to day you get me so it doesn't have to be that so say my father my mother 
they're all in the company, but I'm the only one that's there day to day. And then I have the ability to execute. They have other family businesses where it would be like everybody in there, um, like a garage that I go to, for example, it's the guy and his wife that's running the front desk. So I think that that can have some challenges um, because it's that's that's a new dynamic that you have to broach. You know, like you are literally around this person twenty four hours of the day. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then and, go ahead, go ahead. They are saying like how they interact with people. It it may be different. So again, you have to constantly be shifting and remembering that. Geez, you know, even if I'm a little, a little annoyed or, you know, whatever it is that I'm taking away from this day, I have to get over it that much quicker because I'm going home with you or I'm going home to see you. Mm-hmm. So it definitely is a whole new dynamic if it is the situation that you're actually working with your family directly. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I was going to say when you said the venting aspect of it like yeah when you're working with your family who do you vent to so what is some advice that you would offer to the listeners in terms of how you've you've been able to kind of manage that aspect of it well for me i mean my i always had my other family and i have a relationship with my father where i'd be like i don't like this so i could vent to him directly but if I was still annoyed after that, I would be I would go to my friends or, you know, maybe uh, my mother at that point in time and be like, yo, what what is this? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, why? And uh, she, uh, as best possible, obviously, you know, she didn't want to take any sides. So she would right. stay out of it. But at least she was a listening ear to be like, uh, well give it some time <laughs> you know what i'm saying but uh and then again that's where that's where your support network comes in handy so for me my support network initially started out as as friends uh who you know i'd be like yo can you believe this happened at work today but then if you want to delve into some different issues that maybe are industry related you you have like your business friends so right. not necessarily colleagues that could be from other incubator groups. I was in the Branson Center, which was a business incubator program. And uh, from there, you could meet persons who were facing similar challenges as you. And so I think it's important for any small business owner to have to have a, a support group, uh, not a support group, a meeting that you go to, you know, Thursday at 3 p.m. or whatever. Right. But, <laughs> you know, just like, some people who are around you who can who can relate. They don't. They, it's great if they're in your industry because they they would get it. They'd be aware of you know the various regulations that were coming in or uh, just anything that would directly impact you. But anybody who is in another family business is probably having the same exact issues that you are, just to a different degree. Yeah, I would agree with that, and I think that having that that um the sounding boards we'll call them that right now but having those sounding boards are tr- truly influential to how we get through things too because sometimes we may be ready to jump off a ledge but then you have the person that you bounce something off of and they're like it's not even that serious you know or right. they can say like like your mom said you know give it some time because right. 
you in the moment are feeling like this is really annoying. This is frustrating to me right now. But reality is, is it going to be frustrating in 30 minutes? Is it going to be frustrating in 30 days? Like you don't know. Right. So sometimes it is cool to have, not even sometimes it is cool period to have people that you can sound off on, you know, and just have them support you. They listen and there's no judgment because of whatever you may be saying that the people that are going to throw it back. Well, you know, you said this and this and that happened. So, (laughs) and then you're like, yeah, but I'm over that. I've been over that for like a year, bro. What are you talking about? <laughs> right, exactly. Get rid of those people is what I'm saying. If you have people like that in your life, get rid of them. You don't need that negativity. But um, mm-hmm. as we get ready to, to close out, I just wanted to ask you, you know, how do you create work-life balance? Because when you are working with your family, you are seeing them often. You know, there's going to be things that you want to do and you don't necessarily want to f- have, you know, any type of, I would say bad blood because you choose to go on a vacation. So it's like, how do you establish that work-life balance? Well, again, I guess that comes back to the sort of latitude because I've always been an advocate of work um, smarter, not harder. So, you know, either between automating or trying to get as many tasks done as possible or timing them around when, around when I would be available or want to be available is definitely the flexibility that I can create for my industry. And so once I got into a rhythm, I kind of knew, and it took me a few years to figure out what that rhythm was because again, whereas coming directly out of um, university, you know, if I gone to work corporate, I, after X, X amount of time, I would have, you know, had these vacation days and I, in some cases, you know, like labor laws have adjusted, so you have to take the vacation. I didn't have that. And so when all my friends, in the, when I, oh, my first year out of university, I was really like sad or disappointed because I was like, yo, all these parties are going on and I can't go. <laughs> and my father was like, yeah, well, you know, that's how it is sometimes. But then, you know, I kind of figured out what the rhythm was. So I realized that for, for me, the summer months, are dead because you know our clients are are go with but it's everybody really but everybody has a different flow so i recognize that for us you know during the period of like june july august we're pretty dead because persons were either taking vacations with their family so they the demand wasn't there even for us so i could relax during those same summer months that i wanted to be out and about um, and it didn't always mean going somewhere. It could just mean going in later. It could just mean taking a day, but still being available to be on call if something happens. Um, so creating the work-life balance, that was, that was the first thing, recognizing the rhythm and seeing how exactly you can fit in some, some downtime in those, in that downtime. And then outside of that, the second thing is establishing boundaries. Like I mm-hmm. always, I always, always thought that, you know, to be a small business owner, to be in a family business, you have to be on call for everybody. And and I'm sure I've said it to you before, but I started realizing, you know, when I started like reading books and and just listening to external voices that if you're not good for yourself, are you going to be good for anybody else? Right. So right. you are there working day in, day out. They are taking their time off. They are closing up shop at 4 p.m. They're going home. 
you want to stay till eight, nine o'clock working, 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 and killing out yourself. You get me? But guess what? If something happens to you, you know, I'm not saying I'm wishing it on anyone, but the fact is that they are going to move on to where they can get service. Right. So it's it's a reality because the world doesn't stop because yours did. And right. when I, the sooner I realized that is the sooner I was like, you know what? I will only be available between X hours and nine hours. You want to come at eight o'clock in the morning? That's great. I will return the call when I actually start my work day at nine. And that's, I will see emails and sometimes I'll see emails and depending on the urgency, I might snooze it. You know, but right. like, okay, well, I'll see this. I'll answer this in a few. Right now, I'm, I'm driving. But, you know, if the initial, the initial mindset is I don't want to lose any sale. I don't want to lose any customer. And what I also came to realize is customers are like your friends. It's a relationship. Everybody won't be for you. So not because there is a person out there who is willing to buy and willing to spend with you, that willingness to spend could come with so many conditions that you yourself would have to, you may not always be comfortable with. You know, it may be the hours that they call you. It may be how they relate to you. It may be how they want you to try and discount your services or product. And then you realize it's just not worth it. So invest in, in where gives the the best returns just like you would look for any bank to save your money with or any stock to invest in you look for where it gives the best returns and just like we do with our friendships and we look for persons that we get the most value from and can give the most value to because it's a two-way street it's the same with customers and that's that's one thing that i wish i'd learned earlier that you don't have to cry over customers who aren't who aren't always supporting you let's put it that way Mm -hmm. yeah everybody is not your friend totally and every every business opportunity is not an opportunity no no (laughs) you know it's definitely something to do but it definitely you know in the long run it can cause more headache and you kind of start to question why am i about to take this for Right. <laughs> you know, like, why did I, why did I really think this was a good thing to do? Right. What's the meaning and what's the purpose of this? I totally can agree to that on so many levels. But Sean, thank you so much for sharing words of wisdom, your family business story with the Manifest community. We obviously are friends and you know, I'm always encouraged by you, but I'm glad that now I get to share this with other people so that they too can be encouraged by your story. And I just want to know where can they find you? Where can listeners find you? So my personal, my LinkedIn is Sean Morgan, that's S-E-A-N. And my Instagram is Sean Morg, that's S-E-A-N-M-O-R-G. That's mostly where um, I think I'm I'm on Twitter as well, but I'm not. I'm more of a like a a, a lurker on Twitter. Like I absorb. <laughs> I'm, I'm not really like putting out you know thoughts and comments there. You mostly find that on Instagram. Cool. Well, all of your locations will be in the show notes for sure. But I just want to say as a wrap up, you know, I hope the audience has really gleaned from this conversation to you know find your voice, speak up for what you believe in have a growth mindset because that's literally what's going to take you forward in any climate, 
have a support circle because those are the people that are truly be there for you when you need them to be. And finally, establish boundaries because that's going to keep you sane. So (laughs) thank you, Sean, again. All right. Good being here. Thanks for listening to the Manifest podcast. Before you go, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Share this with your family. Share this with your friends. Share this with your colleagues. Just share this with your entire community. And until next time, let's manifest.